Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 178. Benjamin Yoder here today talking about video games, and I actually have a decent amount to talk about. I don't have to wait until until Sunday night to do this podcast because I don't have enough to, to cover. <laughs> um, um, I, I found quite a few news stories this week that I was most or that I was interested in uh, in looking at, Main, mainly mini Nintendo Direct stuff with the partnership, specifically the Japanese one. There's actually some interesting stuff there. Um, and then I've also played a, a lot of stuff. Um, I played a lot of arcade games, actually, specifically. Um, I played more of the Capcom beat-em-up bundle stuff. So, you know, uh, that included... Uh, it's like a bunch of, of beat-em-ups by Capcom that in that collection. And so the ones we played were the King of Dragons, which I didn't, I didn't love the King of Dragons. It seemed very straightforward. It basically seemed like you had a standard attack, and the gimmick of the whole game seemed to be that... As you went through, you would level up your weapon, and as you leveled up your weapon, it would change its form a little bit. So I played, like, the mage, and and so, like, I started out with, like, a little, like, wind attack kind of thing, and eventually it, like, transformed into, like, a, a flame shot, so it was, like, a multi-hit flame shot, and then eventually, like, an electric uh, shock kind of thing, but... I don't know, just like it, like it didn't change how you interacted much with how the uh with your with like it didn't change your strategy when you're attacking enemies very much. You pretty much just sat there and kept like shooting stuff basically. Um or at least as a mage that's what you basically did. And the flamethrower did have this like multi-hit thing where, you know, it would basically chip away damage at enemies. Um and then at some point like if you once you upgrade your weapon to like the electric one, you you lose that multi-hit thing. So it's kind of it's it's kind of like in in some ways I felt like the 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 electric attack that's like the final attack in that game was kind of worse. But yeah, it just didn't really jump out at me as anything particularly interesting unfortunately. So that's kind of is what it is. Um, we also played Knights of the Round, which at least was a bit more, um, you know, mechanically interesting in terms of, of, you know, player inputs kind of thing. You did do kind of like Street Fighter style, you know, special moves to to kind of do some additional attacks. Both of these are kind of like medieval-ish kind of things. But the the Knights of the Round, you 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 only had like two swordsmen and like a guy with an axe. I think I think I played Percival, which is the guy with the axe or whatever. And and it. It also was just kind of like hack and slashy, but you did have some like special moves. There was like some guard system, but how you guard in that game is I think you had to like double tap back and press the attack button or something like that. So it just was like this very, um, it's not really a guard, it's like a parry more than anything. So it's like this, this slightly overcomplicated input that just kind of discouraged you from using it, I feel like. Obviously, if you're in the arcade and playing with, like, real money, uh, it would probably, you know, do you well to learn that to, you know, save your life so you don't have to spend as much money to get through the game. But in a free-play environment, it just seemed way too... I don't know, it just seemed, it seemed like way... Way too difficult to put in a time button press for that uh, to basically reflect the enemy's attack. It does, also doesn't help, you know, in the Capcom beat up bundle, I'd say that it's definitely very playable, um, but there is definitely a latency that you notice when you're playing in that collection. So it can be a bit hard to be precise with your inputs in that. So I didn't love Knights of the Round either, but Warriors of Fate was actually pretty fun. I mean, it did, and generally, again, it's a, it's a, like a 90s beat up, so it's not that, that, you know, interesting from a mechanical perspective. Um, but I did like the aesthetics of it. It is a, um, kind of a, 
I think specifically Romance of the Three Kingdoms kind of uh, setting. And and there's a lot of um, fun animations with characters. A lot of like being able to pick up enemies and throw them. Like sometimes you pick them up and you just like sit there. I have the guy with the sword so I can like just pick up people and like start stabbing them. And then also like do uppercuts on them afterwards. So there's actually quite a bit of um, diversity in how you could kind of handle enemies. I would say your moveset was not particularly expansive, but how those movesets can kind of interact with each other were, were, were pretty fun. You know, again, I... I'm not a big beat em up fan, so I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, it was some life changing experience kind of thing, right? Um, but it was it was fine enough. And so out of all the games I played so far in that collection, uh, the other one we played uh, last week that I talked about was Captain Commando. Uh, Warriors of Fate has definitely been the most impressive so far. Um, but I think it's also the latest release in that series. I think we're going chronologically with the exception of Final Fight because we're three people and Final Fight is only two players. So we, we kind of shoved that one off to the side. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it's, it's a fine collection, I think, but it's just, I, I kind of said this last week when it comes to beat em ups and things like that, I just, it's hard for me to really appreciate them. I feel like I just have a hard time thinking of them more than anything other than like kind of just flashy roller coaster rides kind of thing. I was talking to, um, zero about this the other day, actually, cause he, he had brought up Contra and he actually, he didn't know what Contra was per se. I, th- I think he was aware of Contra as a brand, but was not aware of what, what Contra was as a game. And then I showed it to him. He's like, Oh, it's like metal slug. And like on paper, metal slug and Contra look very similar, right? Uh, and I'm talking about NES Contra. I, I have not played the arcade uh, Contra. I know that's a that's a thing. Um, but but when I think about like how you play Contra versus Metal Slug, I feel like Metal Slug is very much falls into that arcade kind of roller coaster ride, super flashy presentation kind of thing. Um, where I feel like Contra is definitely more um, there's there's precision to Contra. I feel like, and and I feel like you have more control of the situation in a way that makes it uh, uh, easier to to play through that game. But you know, I will say I've always played Metal Slug in a free play scenario. I very rarely have ever at least seriously played Metal Slug where I was actually putting money in in a system. So it's probably part of my like my view on Metal Slug is informed by that fact that there are basically no consequences to death, right? So it's just like, run forward and shoot, and everything's going to look pretty while you do it. Look at all these animations that are happening all over the screen that you're going to miss because you're too busy trying to <laughs> trying to shoot stuff kind of thing. So, I don't know. I feel like that same way about beat-em-ups, where maybe it's because I don't put money into them, but it's just kind of like, well, this is a fun thing to kind of look at and see what this is like, but I, I just... From a gameplay perspective, there just isn't really enough there for me to really be like, yeah, I love this game. I, I say that, but I also liked Dungeons & Dragons uh, Shadows of Mastara. So so maybe, I don't know, maybe I need to think about it some more. But yeah. Um, and then also, uh, Tim asked me to play some stuff on Fightcade with him. So we ended up playing uh, Jackie Chan 2, the fighting game, which is which is a fighting game featuring Jackie Chan multiple Jackie Chans actually I think there's like three or four Jackie Chans you can choose from and then some additional characters who are not Jackie Chan um so so yeah it was uh it it was it was kind of neat Fight Kate seems pretty cool overall like it it seems like it just basically lets you play a variety of arcade games and I think some some other platforms too online multiplayer and it seems really simple to set up you basically just need to drop the ROM into Fight Kate and then it just is like okay have fun play play online now so that's pretty cool I, I there's definitely some times where like there's some games that i i probably would like to play two players 
but I just don't have anybody, you know, to play with. So being able to have that online experience, like very easy, kind of at your fingertips kind of thing, I think is is really appealing to me. Uh, the only problem is, is because I'm not really owning the game at that point. It's a little hard for me to find the drive to do so unless I'm just like coordinating with somebody to, uh, to you know, play through it that way so uh, like river city ransom is one on the nes and and that's on the um the nintendo switch online for for multiplayer that i was like oh maybe i can finally play this online multiplayer with someone uh but then i ended up playing uh playing that game with my dad locally on a on a switch when i went over to visit once and like man the frame rate in river city ransom on the nes with two players not great <laughs> it's, it's kind of rough it's a little difficult to play so, so yeah. And then otherwise, I've just been playing Xenoblade Chronicles X. That's a thing. Just doing quests and stuff. Nothing new there. Um, I, I don't know if I have anything to add about that game at this point, honestly. So, good times. Um, and then also more Overcooked 2, which uh, we're actually doing the Hungry Horde DLC, I think is what it's called, which is like the, the Halloween-themed DLC. I'm, I'm recording this on Halloween. I'll actually be streaming a Halloween stream here in about two hours, but I had some time beforehand. So it's like, okay, let's go ahead and record the podcast. Um, but yeah, I kind of like it because it is, it does change like how, how that game flows in some ways. Cause typically in overcooked, you know, you get a series of orders and you have to go turn them in and you get like a point score for that. And that's basically what you're doing in this case, with the exception of you have, um, basically gates at the end of your kitchen and, and like these giant rotting pieces of food are coming at the, the kitchen doors and they're, they're going to sit there and start smacking it and trying to get inside and if they get inside they deal damage to your kitchen kind of thing um and and so you have to serve them food to get them to go away essentially and there's different types of rotting fruit so it's like a or rotting food uh like bread slices chilies with chilies are fast and 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 are basically just attack fast and move fast uh and then you have like these giant like rotting apples that have yeah, are really slow, but they do a lot of damage if they hit the door. And then also they have like they require two meals, so you have to like prepare um, you know two meals for them. Although it's kind of annoying because you can only see what the first meal they want is. You can't tell what both meals are, so you can't like cook two things at once for this thing. You just have to sit there and wait and hope. You know, it's something that isn't going to be too hard to to do. So so it's kind of a, a nice twist, I think, on the overcooked format. I think, if I recall correctly, this is what the final boss fight was like in the game. So they're, they're kind of expanding that idea out into a full, well, not really even a full DLC. It's like a, a subsection of that DLC, but it's a pretty prevalent part of that, that, that content. I think there's like nine or 12 horde levels or something in there. So, and so the, yeah, that was pretty fun. It just kind of changes the d- dynamic of the game, makes, makes it more hectic in a way that I, I think I enjoy more than the typical, just like looking at a timer draining kind of thing, like having something that is like, an actual like physical thing that's getting hit on and then something you can also repair with the money you get and you know you can balance out resources and things like that it just adds a nice ripple on top of overcooked that i think i think i appreciate as somebody who never was a huge fan of like just the deliver this food item into you know to this this turn in point on a timer kind of thing like yeah that's that, i get it like that, that makes sense from a like food delivery kind of thing but it just i think it's just something that it was never really a goal that I found mechanically interesting or anything like that. So, so yeah. Oh, and, and I forgot about this. I actually got the Solomon program demo 2.0, which I'll know if you want to try out the Solomon program demo, uh, the 2.0 version, uh, that is, uh, something that is freely available that you can just get a code for. As far as I can tell, you just have to provide Konami your email address. 
So I'll put a link in the description for that um, if you want to try to to download that for yourself on your Switch. I think you need a Japanese eShop account as well. Um, so so yeah, and I, I haven't played a ton of it yet. I need to, I need to spend more time on it, but I did stream it last week because unfortunately I ran into some internet issues, so I ended up having to stream an hour later. So we didn't end up playing Billy Hatcher, and I went ahead and just streamed some Solomon Program, and that was my first time booting the, the new demo up, so I wasn't quite sure you know, what that was going to look like. Um, and it seems to largely be structured at the original game. The part I was confused about was uh, when you get through the tutorial, um, it seems like they they put you into online matchmaking at that point. So I was kind of confused because I was like, okay, well, the tutorial's done and now I'm just matchmaking with other players online and I'm not like getting new monsters and things like that. So I was a little confused on that part. Um, but then I, I, after I played enough matches online, it eventually put me back into like offline content for, for getting new monsters. So I think there's just like a period of time in between you have to, you know, play a certain number of online matches before they let you continue to get more, more content essentially, or more of the monsters and, and stuff. So if you don't know what Solomon Program is, I guess I probably should have led by that, but it's, it's kind of a complicated game. I'll, uh, at the end of this video, I'll link the, um, the, the, uh, quick look I did for the, or uh, quick play I did for the, um, original Solomon Program demo. I, I would like to do a follow-up video that, that focuses on this Solomon Program 2.0 demo, but, um, I don't know what that will look like yet. I don't really have a format for that, that would, that I would typically do, like essentially a preview, I guess, kind of thing. Someone's yelling outside my window if you didn't hear that. <laughs> uh, a preview kind of thing. And and yeah, I, I think we'll talk about it in some way outside of that that demo. Cause like, uh, or that, outside of that stream. Because when I was streaming that, I really didn't know what was going on. So um, I also have some complaints about the user interface changes. Um, there were some things that I think they tried to clean up how it looked presentationally. But in doing so, they took away some functionality to some degree. They didn't really take it away as much as they hit it and you can pull it back up, but how it is displayed um, is not as as good as it was in the original demo. So I may have a follow-up video that, that kind of, you know, A, briefly touches on the core mechanics of the game, just so people are aware. They don't have to go watch the old one if they don't want to, uh, but then also just kind of focus the rest of the video on what is different kind of thing. Um, I don't know when that game's coming out. I saw some mixed reporting that it might be out sometime in the winter. Um, but then I went to the uh, Solomon Program website and their website says that the release date's currently undecided. Um, I think Joshua came to the stream and said he saw some, some reporting that it might be in December as well. I also don't know if it's going to be a digital game or a physical only or a, a physical, a digital only or a physical as well. I would definitely prefer to get a physical copy if possible. I'm guessing this game's not going to get localized, but who can say? Well, well, we'll see. I think, I think it's always surprising what ends up getting, well, maybe not surprising what ends up getting localized. I think it's a little hard to tell these days what will and won't get localized. There's a while where you could kind of be like, oh, the, the weird roommate game coming out on PS4 is not going to get localized because, you know, some Japanese game about running uh, uh, a, like, apartment complex with a bunch of ladies in it or something. And it's like, yeah, that's probably going to stay in Japan. But, like, nowadays you can have stuff like Gun Gun Pixies and Gal Gun come over and stuff like that. So, not that Solomon Programs is, like, fan service thing, but I just was thinking about, you know, the, I feel like it's kind of what gets localized is a little a little up in the air these days um and it feels like fortunately though it feels like most things do get localized at some point at least most things people care about 
Uh, in terms of news this week, uh, I did have one thing that I think I forgot to cover last week, and that is that Fire Emblem is coming to the uh, Nintendo Switch Online uh, service, or, or rather, sorry, they're selling the NES version of Fire Emblem on the Nintendo Switch. I don't want to say Nintendo Switch Online because that would imply they're in the um, that virtual console kind of service that they offer right now, which it's not. It's like the separate $6 purchase. So that's really cool. I like that they went out of their way to basically you know, hack a, hack a NES version of, of Fire Emblem and, you know, localizing everything. I would love to see more of that kind of stuff, not only from Nintendo, but from a lot of other companies as they, you know, re-release their games. Um, you know, we saw Moon recently got a uh, translation as well. So, so like, going back and allowing these older games to get translations that, that probably deserve it but never got them um, is, I, I think, very cool. The only problem I have is, and this is kind of just going off, you know, what happened with N- Nintendo's, like, 3D um all-stars collection is that it's another limited time available game i believe engadget said that it was going to be unavailable after the 31st of march and i just it's i can understand that with a physical copy right if like we're gonna do a limited run of a physical copy um and they do have some kind of like physical collector's edition you can get it doesn't include the game itself outside of a digital code uh, but it, they have some like kind of special edition and i would totally understand if they're like hey we're doing one run of these things we're not going to do this again. Buy it now if you want. I get it. Um, um, but to limit the time that they sell that original original or the download of that game is just, I don't know. It just feels very skeevy in a lot of ways. I'm not somebody who, you know, you can, you can say if I'm, if I am, you know, we're always, I think we're all hypocritical in some ways, but like, I feel like I'm generally not somebody who, who <laughs> like is too concerned about like how a company runs themselves like yes i don't like what sony's doing with their with their like if you want to call it censorship or whatever policies um i'm not a fan of that but it's totally within their company's right to do so right and i'm like well i don't like that but i don't want to um and and so like i'm not gonna sit there and be like oh nintendo's doing anti-consumer you know, practices and, and how they're selling this game and they need something needs to be done about it. But just feel skeevy, I guess, like them being like, okay, there's this digital title. It's going to be available for what, five months. And then if you didn't buy it too bad, I'm like, well, I'm not going to go buy your $6 game because you want to create some artificial scarcity around it digitally. Right. Uh, I think physical, you can get uh, like, you can hide that a bit more and be like, well, we only produce this many units and we can't make any more because we only plan to produce this many units. Uh, but when it comes to digital, it's just like, well, you're selling like it's not like Fire Emblem is some other company's brand, right? Uh, like it's 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 the, they own the license. There's not going to be an issue with them selling it for you know six months or whatever, um, or only six months. So yeah, it's just like I I would love to check this out at some point. It's not something I want to check out right now, but you know, and six dollars is not a lot of money. But I'm not going to go out and rush out to buy it just because Nintendo's like, oh, we're only going to avail like make this digitally available for a particular period of time. Um, it definitely makes me feel a lot less guilty that if, you know, two years from now, I'm like, I want to play Fire Emblem for the NES. I doubt it will happen, but I'm like, I don't want to do that. And then it's like, well, they sold it for six months and never did again. I'm like, well, I'm going to go play, (laughs) play the, the fan translated version or something. Right. Um, and just do that instead. Like, I, I don't know. It, 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 I, I'm somebody who is like, I would I would like to purchase games officially whenever possible. I don't like pirating or things like that if I don't have to. Um, but in the case of that, like, I'm not going to go and spend $6 on something just because they made an artificial scarcity period. And then like, we're never selling this again or whenever. We don't know when we're selling it again kind of thing. I don't know. It's really annoying. So 
Either way, I doubt I ever will play Fire Emblem on the NES. I think it's very cool what they're doing. I just think it's kind of dumb in how they're releasing it and how they're restricting that. Um, in terms of, I think most of this all is mini Nintendo Direct news, but it's all very Nintendo focused. Although I wouldn't be surprised if some of these are coming to other platforms in some way. Um, one is that there was the No More Heroes 3 trailer. I don't have a lot to say about it. I originally, when I saw the trailer originally, I was like, man, this game looks muddy. But it pairs, it looks like that was probably just maybe the case of the original video they put out. Um, didn't like was maybe compressing the video feed a little bit and like it just kind of looked bad um when they uploaded the trailer separately it looked pretty good so so i think that wasn't really an issue otherwise though it just kind of right now it just kind of looks like no more heroes admittedly they have not talked about much about it um so i don't want to sit there and say like you know oh there's nothing there's nothing new here they just kind of showed off some gameplay there's some things on screen you can see that are, look kind of new but it's a, it's a little hard to say what they're for and what what value they have at this point. As somebody who really likes No More Heroes 1, generally likes No More Heroes 2, and I have a kind of a mixed relationship with Travis Strikes Again. I like the parts of that game that it seems like most people didn't like, and then I don't like the parts that most people like. Um, I'm excited to check this out, and, and we'll see how it goes. I'm still just... I, I, I think the, the biggest concern I always have with No More Heroes at this point is just storytelling. Um, Travis is... I don't know. I've talked about it before. Travis is too precious of a character for them now. And, and it's a little hard to um, enjoy the type of character Travis has become, I feel like, for me. I, I like Travis in No More Heroes 1. I don't like him in 2 or Travis Strikes Again, unfortunately. Um, but there are things I still like about those games. And and I definitely am looking forward to checking out No More Heroes 3. If you didn't see also, they released No More Heroes 1 and 2 on the Switch. Uh, no More Heroes 1 has been relatively available on other platforms. The quality of those ports have been another thing. But, you know, if you want to play No More Heroes 1, it's generally been out there on at least last-gen platforms that you can play it. Um, so seeing No More Heroes 2, though, finally come out in a way where you can play it in HD and all that stuff, though, is very cool. So I'm really glad that happened. I will not be buying it. I already played No More Heroes 1 and 2. Don't need to play it again. But uh, No More Heroes 2, you know, I would say story-wise, it's, it's not great. You know, like I said earlier, I, I don't really like what they've done with Travis as a character. And and I'd say the direction they went with that game's story and how they treated Travis in general, I, I just didn't like it. Um, but when it comes to mechanics and how the game plays, it's definitely a better playing game than No More Heroes 1. It's, it's a lot more... Um, I don't know, it's more of a standard hack and slash game, but it's very flashy in a way that I really enjoy. And, uh, but the, a lot of the presentational elements are, I think are a little weak and, and also the story parts, but, but it's a, it's a good enough game that I appreciate it. You know, I did a video review of No More Heroes 2. I forgot about that. It's not on my channel. It's on, uh, the Speed Gamers News channel or something like that. <laughs> I think it's on the review playlist though, but, uh. Yeah, maybe I should re-upload those under my channel. I, I, I would assume, I, I need to go reach out to Brit, but I assume that uh, they would be cool with me just taking ownership of those videos again and, and hosting them myself. Although, I don't know how, if I want to publish them on the channel. They're old and bad. So, so yeah. Um, also, there was... I, so, this is the thing that I couldn't remember for sure if this is part of the Nintendo Direct. Uh, the Taiko no Tatsujin uh, Rhythm Adventure Pack. Uh, that apparently got a US release date of December 3rd for the eShop. I believe that's digital only in that case. Although it looks like the Asian release is also coming out, I think, in late November. Um, and that will be a physical copy. You can buy a set of drums for the game if you want to, but it seems like the drums are like 80 bucks, which is kind of pricey. So, I'm not sure. I'm really interested in checking that out. Um, I might try to buy just the physical copy and not get the drums at first and just see how it works. I just imagine if you're, 
you're probably just using the joy cons right i, I would think i, I don't know um but the, i might try that out see how it feels and then if it doesn't feel great maybe maybe grab the drums but 80 bucks is quite a bit for them drums but you know i don't know for one game it's a bit much <laughs> um so yeah I'm, I'm excited to to check that out eventually although i do i've been thinking about samba de amigo on the wii um, if you didn't see on Twitter and, 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 you know, feel free to comment in, in the YouTube comments or, or wherever, reach out to me, however you know how to reach out to me. Um, one thing I asked on Twitter was like what people want to see next year. I haven't really have, I don't really have a plan for next year right now. There are things I want to do for sure. And things that I've been promising I'd do for a long time that I have not done yet for sure. But I, I don't really know what I'm doing next year in terms of content. Um, so one thing that Rowan Carmichael brought up was more Wii games, which I'm like, oh, I like Wii games. I'll talk about more Wii games. So if there's something that you want me to cover next year or you'd be interested in covering me, let me uh, interested in me covering, let me know. Um, cause I am kind of in that, that phase where I'm thinking about what's going to be the goal of 2021 from a content perspective. Um, and I'm not sure what that looks like yet. So if you have any feedback, let me know. And I'd, I'd be happy to happy to listen to what you got to say. Does not mean I will do it, but I'll listen to what you have to say at the very least. So one game, and this is kind of why I really like you know, I, I really like watching the Japanese Nintendo Direct minis preferably, or the Nintendo Directs preferably, because they tend to have more games in it. Um, and the reason why is because usually there's some Japanese games in there that are at least not announced for localization yet, or or may never get localized. Uh, one was Buddy Mission Bond, which is uh, kind of a visual novel, kind of detective-y kind of thing. And it's got a nice presentation overall. And, you know, generally, if it was just that, I probably would be like, this is cool. I'm never going to play this, but it's a cool look. I'm going to make it like my profile picture on Facebook or something for a while because I like how I think the main character's cute, right? He's a cute guy. <laughs> um, but this this game also has um, mini games in it. So essentially like like you're this, you know, these detective guys or something and and essentially you'll be like infiltrating a base or something and there'll be mini games you do while you infiltrate the base and it's like using full 3D graphics and everything, you know, um, in, in a way that's... That's that's very appealing to me, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a small touch, but those kind of things I think get me more interested because I'm like, oh, this is actually like more of a video game now rather than just like you know something I'm gonna read through and maybe make some choices here and there. Um, you know, I don't want to sit there and say like it's not a video game if you're not actually playing a video game part. But but I think you get what I mean when I say like a visual novel is in in some ways like a visual novel or or a game like that. Uh, is more like a uh, a book in some ways, unless you're playing something that's more like simulation, like like if you're playing a dating sim or something. Like Love Plus is an actual video game, right? You're not gonna you, Love Plus is not a book, um, <laughs> but like when I think of um, like Kara or uh, Katawa Shoujo or something like that, you know, go back to the old this novel um like that's that's that might as well be a book, right? A choose your own adventure book versus like Kara no Shoujo. Don't get them confused. Katawa Shoujo versus Karano Shoujo. Karano Shoujo is more like a detective game where you have to like solve puzzles and stuff and 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 things like that. So so there's definitely like a dividing line between that stuff. So but anyways, so this looks cool. I like how it looks. It's got a nice aesthetic. It's a Koei Tecmo game. I did not really expect it to be a Koei Tecmo game. It's kind of kind of weird. I mean maybe I'm wrong, but I I this just not does not seem like something that Koei Tecmo would put out usually. So you know. I expect Muso games or or Rise's thighs. Those are the two things I expect from Koei Tecmo right now, or Dead or Alive. Although Dead or Alive is kind of in this weird purgatory right now. Like this, I think there's Venus Vacation going right now, and that's it. So, so yeah, this game looks cool. You should check it out. 
like like per usual i'll have like the trailer linked in the uh the description and stuff uh rune factory 5 i think this is only on the japanese direct as well although i think we have heard about this in the u.s already before but this is the first gameplay footage that i personally have seen uh and it looks it looks pretty good um you know if you don't know what rune factory is it's basically like a more uh rpg like harvest moon game so it is kind of like a uh a, I guess you would say homeland management kind of game in some ways, or you're like uh, handling a farm and stuff, or at least this is my understanding. I've never played a Rune Factory game, but this is my understanding of Rune Factory. Um, and so you like, you have stuff you're doing at home, but then you also go out to dungeons and stuff and you go and fight things and you use materials from that to, you know, build up your farm or whatever you're building up. Right. Um, and so this game looks more of a, like a typical console action RPG. Cause it's kind of behind the pack third person, um, and you just kind of like, you know, run around and you're doing melee attack combos and things like that. Um, I think they have been that way in general, but they're more like isometric games before. So your play is probably more like a link to the past or something in terms of like, not there, not that it's like a link to the past, but like just mechanically when I think about like, oh, you're swiping a sword kind of thing. Um, where this seems to be more of like, you know, looking more like a fantasy star online kind of thing in terms of how you're, how you're, how you're interacting with combat at the very least. Again, not saying that's what the game is like, just that that's kind of, when you think aesthetically how it looks and how you interact with it, that's what it looks like at the very least. So that's kind of appealing to me, and it's definitely something that um, that I, I'm interested in. I've always wanted to check out a Rune Factory game. Um, I have considered getting Rune Factory on Wii from time to time, but I don't really have a particular need to do that version of the game. So it's not something that I am married to. The big thing is it's just big, long RPG, so there's a very good chance I will, you know... <laughs> If, even if I buy it, I won't get to it anytime soon. Hey, Tokyo Xanadu, I bought that like, what, four years ago at this point? Whenever it came out in the US and I was like, I'm going to play through this game. It's going to be cool. Still have not touched it. That's just how, that's like, some, like our, picking up RPGs is a nightmare for me. I always want to play them, but then they take like five years for me to get back to them. Mainly because Xenoblade Chronicles X has been haunting me for the last five years. So, <laughs> so yeah. There's also a new Harvest Moon game. Uh, I don't really have a lot to say about this. Or, or sorry, Story of Seasons game, I should say. Because Harvest Moon's its own IP now. There is a new Harvest Moon game. I don't remember much about it at this moment, off the top of my head. But there's a new Story of Seasons game that they showed off here, too. Um, it looks it looks a lot more budget compared to Rune Factory 5. Not that Rune Factory 5 looks like some big AAA masterpiece either. But, but it just looks like a lot more... Um, a lot more lower budget overall. But uh, but yeah, I think the, the gimmick of this game, and, and this, you know, I'm... I'm not a big Harvest Moon fan. I've only ever played A Wonderful Life. Um, and Harvest Moon 64, I played a chunk of that. I did not beat it. A Wonderful Life, I went on my way to beat. Um, but it looks to be more forest-based in some ways, or at least the beginning. So it looks like you're you're doing... you're, you're There's more of like clearing a forest kind of thing, and, and you're more in the wilderness, I guess, is what, what the trailer at least gave me the impression of. Versus, I feel like in other Harvest Moon games, yeah, you're kind, your farm's kind of off to the side, but it's like attached to a town, and it feels like you're within a community kind of thing, rather than just being like, I'm mountain man, in mountain with tree kind of thing. But, you know, that was just the impression I got off the trailer. No idea if that's actually what the full game is like, or if it's like, you know, that's the beginning of the game, and then it eventually becomes normal Harvest Moon once you cut all those trees down, because I don't like trees. <laughs> so... And in the Japanese version of the Nintendo Direct, there's also a game called Champions Battle, uh, which is a game by Psy Games, and I think this was announced a while ago. I saw there was, like, a trailer from May or whatever. It looks neat, but I don't think most people would probably be interested in this. It looks very much in that kind of yokai watch kind of space, or, or like, you know, 
kind of kids kids cartoon bakugan kind of thing right um so it seems like more in that kind of space but it's like a card game kind of thing and it has some some nice animations and things like in the way yeah you'd expect a card game would it very much looks like a mobile game in terms of its combat you're laying cards on the table and then those characters do some special animations when they fight to to make it flashy uh but like what yokai watch for it definitely has like this overworld aspect to it when you're when you're playing through the story which i think is very cool um so to me that's always visually appealing like maybe in the same way i feel about rune factory 5 i definitely prefer like the behind the back kind of third person thing rather than like an isometric view that's part of why i was so attracted to yokai watch 4 um because i i would i personally just prefer that more in world feeling rather than just like this top down feeling kind of thing so it, it, it looks pretty nice overall but i think it very much looks like most of those other games um you know if you're familiar with those kind of like pokemon ripoff kind of things i don't know if i'd call this a pokemon ripoff kind of thing but i feel like I feel like saying that you know what kind of what category this is in, right? In terms of budget. Like maybe maybe kids anime property kind of game. This may be based off some kids anime and I don't know about it. Did not do my research on that. So so yeah. Uh, and then there's also a port of Family Trainer for the Wii or from the Wii. So so you know, if you don't know what Family Trainer is, basically it's a power pad game that came out on the Nintendo Wii. So they're porting this over to the Switch, but instead of using a power pad, they're just using the Joy-Cons. I believe it's the similar to the uh, Ring Fit Joy-Con strap that goes to your leg. So so that's kind of interesting. I talked about this a little bit on Twitter a while ago, uh, and this trailer didn't give really too much more information, but I'm glad to see that stuff coming over. Um, I really need to pick up Go Vacation. I've been debating if I want to get the Wii version or the Switch version. The Switch version's physical copy is actually not as cheap as I was hoping it'd be. I think it was like 70 bucks, which for a mini game collection is quite a bit. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's a good Nintendo Direct Partners Mini or whatever. Is a lot of stuff that I'm interested in. I, I don't know how every everyone else felt. There's like Bravely Default two stuff or whatever it is in there or three whatever it's called. I forget what it's called. There's like I don't know. I think it's I think it's literally Bravely Default two. Um, there's been more than just two Bravely Default games though. Um, but yeah, I was I was very ex- interested or very excited to to see that direct and 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 I enjoyed it. It reminds me a lot that like New Game Expo at e3 was just like my kind of show at this point right like that i really like new game expo um and and <laughs> just a, a further sign of how how far my tastes have uh gone off course compared to the rest of the industry right i don't care about your spider-man miles morales or whatever i don't know it's a good game i'm sure i'm sure if i bought the spider-man game i'd probably enjoy it but it's kind of it's kind of whatever like eh, i'm good i don't need to play spider-man so so yeah, and that's it for this week. Thanks for sticking around. Um, in terms of content coming up, uh, I have the Super Mario Land review coming out tomorrow. That's a featured review. I almost forgot because I, I scheduled it to go up like three weeks ago at this point. So so that's coming out tomorrow. So please uh, please check that out. Um, I am about to, in, 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 in this recording right now, I'm about to go do my Halloween stream or whatever. We played Family Pirate Party for the Wii. At least that's what I'm planning on doing. We'll see how that actually happens. I'm pretty sure that will happen, though. Um, and I have a sexy pirate hat. Actually, uh, Barry is currently wearing the sexy pirate hat. That's the one I'm going to be trying to wear, at least. So it's, it does not fit on my head very well. Um, I said that, but, you know, I know you guys can't see it in the, in the audio version. I said I wouldn't do that last week, and then I proceeded to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, um, anyways, so, so yeah. Um, and then, uh... Uh, after that, we're going to have Bionic Canada Elite Forces casual review coming up the week after. We may have a little bit of a break in terms of, you know, the Wednesday releases of the weekly content stuff. 
Um, I, I'm kind of working on some things right now, but I don't really have anything near being finished. I think I'm going to do a GameCube pickups video, but I might just go ahead and get some of the last games I'm going to get for GameCube and, and kind of do that as like a, as a, like, here's the closing in my GameCube collection pickups video. Because like, honestly, I looked at the GameCube library recently and I was like, after I got Billy Hatcher, I felt pretty good about where my GameCube collection is, what I have on it, what I need to play left. And I don't know if I need that many more GameCube games. Um, you know, I could get Pokemon XD and Pokemon Coliseum, but those are expensive. I don't like Pokemon. I mean, those games could be interesting. Maybe I'd like those particular games, but I feel like there's a lot of Pokemon games where I'm like, well, I could like Poke Park for the Wii. Actually, I think I really would like Pokemon Park for the Wii. <laughs> um, uh, um, but like, yeah, just so this is just not a high priority and those games are expensive and I feel like I'd rather look elsewhere um than than xd and coliseum i think the one regret i have right now is darkened sky for the gamecube this year got very expensive and it doesn't seem like it went up for any real reason i don't think it's been selling at that level outside of a couple copies so i'm not sure if that's a artificially inflated price or if that's something that is um you know gonna stick around at that price it's it's it, it just seems really expensive for no real reason um there was a YouTuber who covered it, I think like three months ago or something, who got like 140,000 views. So maybe that's what drove up the price. I'm not sure, but you know, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I might think about it, but I think it's like going for like 80 bucks. And I don't know if I want to pay $80 for Darkened Sky on the GameCube. I got plenty of other garbage to play. I don't need to play a bad action third person shooter. I mean, I do need to play a bad third person action game on the GameCube. That is for sure 100% the kind of game I want to play. But there are plenty of other games like that I could play elsewhere. So, yeah. But I feel I feel like we're I'm kind of wrapping up my GameCube library in terms of, you know, stuff to purchase. So, I'm happy about that because it's been something I I've been wanting to do for a while now and um and when I sat down and just kind of took stock of what was left out of the North American market. I will say I have not spent a lot of time on the Japanese market when it comes to that stuff. Anyways, I'm rambling. I'll, I'll stop talking about GameCube games. Um, So, yeah. Uh, and then... What went up this last week? I can't even remember. <laughs> uh, oh, the Doraemon 2 uh, Animal Wakusei Densetsu uh, uh, casual review went up last week. So, if you haven't checked that out, please do so. That's a very fun Game Boy game. Um, Doraemon games are, are pretty cool in general, it seems like. I would like to purchase more Doraemon games. Speaking of Japanese GameCube games, I wouldn't mind getting the Japanese GameCube Doraemon game, um, at some point. But, yeah, Doraemon games are cool. Anyways, I guess that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. Uh, oh, and I did the, the Solomon program stream as well, but I'll, I'll probably do more of a, uh, more extensive video on Solomon Programs 2.0 demo soon. But yeah. Anyways, thanks for coming again this week. OneControlPort.com is the website. If you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. It, it is something you can do uh, to help me. And then also, um, you know, stream's going to be at 7 p.m. Uh, this week. We're going to be playing more Billy Hatcher. Uh, hopefully, assuming my internet plays nice. Um, and we'll we'll go from there. See see where life takes us from there, I guess. Anyways, I'm going to stop this podcast. Thank you for coming. OneControlReport.com. Have a great week. Bye.